Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck a Few Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoopheads Podcast Network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo again, but we have plenty of news and analysis to get to. Of course, starting with the enormous trades. Yes, that's plural trades for a Drew Holiday and a Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, We Gave up quite a lot for Drew Holiday, as I'm sure all of you have heard. Um, But, um, of course, the bottom line with all of that, in my opinion, is that if acquiring a Drew Holiday and, of course, on top of that, a Bogdan Bogdanovich is what encourages Giannis to sign um, really any extension at all, or um, it would be now a third contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, or of course that Supermax would not be disappointing either, then uh, this may be the best trade in the Milwaukee Bucks history. So um, for any Bucks fans maybe freaking out that everyone's saying uh, that we gave up a swap similar to that, uh, what was given up for an Anthony Davis or uh, Paul George, which... I mean, given the draft compensation, it's not too far off, of course. Um, In return for those other two guys who are definitively better than Drew Holiday, um, those other two teams being Oklahoma City and uh, the New Orleans Pelicans with the Anthony Davis trade did did get back uh, Brandon Ingram and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. One an all-star, one um, who... We all wouldn't be shocked if they became an all-star at some point. So similar trades, um, but not uh, exactly apples to apples there. I'll get into the details on that. So the Bucks received Drew Holiday, and it was just reported today. Um, I've only seen it from the Athletics Eric name, but we also received the number 42 pick in this year's draft and the number uh, 60 pick um, in the second round um, for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, this year's number 25 pick in the first round, uh, swap rights for our uh, 2024 and 2026 first round picks, and then of course the uh, 
the unprotected 2025 and 20, 2027 first round picks. Um, that right there gave uh, a lot of Bucks fans some pause, I'm sure. I know I had some hesitations on what to make out of this trade, but I knew I was right in the back of my mind the whole time that that what really matters is um, is whether or not the Bucks are able to uh, retain Giannis throughout all this, and the Bucks clearly needed to make a big move. And I believe this this is kind of similar to that Paul George trade in that they ended up giving up so much because they really weren't trading for um, just Paul George, but also trading for Paul George meant that they would also get Kawhi Leonard. Now I don't uh, I say that. Uh, with hesitation because we we still don't know for sure whether or not Giannis is going to sign a Supermax or, or any third contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, but this definitely helps our odds. Now, the second trade um, that happened shortly after the Drew Holiday one was, of course, for Bogdan Bogdanovich. This was a sign-and-trade deal, which... Um, compared to the Drew Holiday um, trade, we definitely made out pretty good on this considering we gave back Dante DiVincenzo, our only real young asset. But Bogdan Bogdanovich is uh, considerably better than Dante so far, and there, although I'm sure there's an age gap. Um, besides Dante, we gave up uh, DJ Wilson, who... Um, I would say definitely an underutilized prospect. I've definitely um, gone to bat for DJ plenty of times on this podcast and voiced my disappointment that he didn't get more run above an Ursan Ilyasova, who was also in this deal. Ursan's uh, $7 million guarantee, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, uh, did, after all, become very important in making the numbers work out here. Um, and then that also leads me into the contracts and how our salary cap table looks right now. So Drew Holiday next year um, is going to be making $26 million and some change. That we know for sure. He has a player option for the following year. So yes, Drew Holiday and Giannis could be free agents after this next season. And um, now Bogdan, however, um, he can make anywhere in the range of $8 million a year and some change, which he definitely will make more than considering his market. And then he can make up to uh, $18 million and some change. So he's definitely closer to that $18 million mark, but hopefully he will make um, slightly less than that to give uh, the Bucks marginally more. Uh, mar- eh, pardon me, a marginal amount, more flexibility than what where the Bucks are at right now. Um, this... I know that he's allowed to make um, somewhere within that range because the Bucks sent back, I have it here on my adding machine, they sent back $4,592,000. Um, 
$1,440. That is the combination of salaries between uh, Dante DJ and Ersan Eliasova's guarantee and the rule with how that works as opposed to the 125% plus $100,000 rule that I've mentioned in the past. Um, that rule only applies to tax-paying teams, which the Bucks are technically still below the luxury tax at this point, although they, although they won't once they have 15 players on roster. Um, let me make sure I cover that correctly. So once a, if you are a tax-paying team or if the incoming salary is uh, above about $19.5 million, then you have to abide by the 125% of the incoming salary uh, plus the $100,000 as the most you can take in. However, with the outgoing salary for the Bucks being around $14.5 million, their rules are a little different. They um, cannot take in... Um, Anything less than um, the incoming salary, or rather the outgoing salary plus or minus $5 million. So that's how I got to Bogdan's cap figure. And I did a little math here on what we have guaranteed on the books for next year. This doesn't include any cap holds of veterans that we may take back, uh, bring back, such as uh, Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton, uh, Robin Lopez, two of those three. Um, we'll get into more regarding their options. Kyle Korver, of course, etc. Um, so if you include Chris, Giannis, Drew, Bogdan Bogdanovich at his maximum salary of $18 million and some change, Brooke, Thanasis, uh, Justin James, whom... Uh, very on brand of me. I've forgotten to mention we got a second player in return along with uh, Bogdan. That's Justin James. Uh, I believe this will be his third year in the league coming up. He's making around uh, $1.5 million this year. And then also, since the salary cap is remaining the same, um, I... I just jotted in numbers for the, um, excuse me, I believe, I think I misspoke earlier. We actually received the number 48 pick, not the 42nd pick, pardon my sloppy notes. But um, when I compare the number 48 pick from last year, salary, um, I'm going to project that as our number 48 pick, and that would be um exactly one million dollars and then the number 59 pick last year since the number 60 pick i believe is still playing in europe somewhere and hasn't signed a contract um the number 59 pick received the uh rookie minimum of of eight hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars i think that could also apply to the number 48 pick i don't think there's necessarily the same uh First round rookie scale stipulations for second round picks. But um, yeah, so the players that I've mentioned so far, 
their salaries plus the dead salaries of the uh, stretched John Lure and, of course, Larry Sanders, um, whom I believe everybody in uh, the state of Wisconsin is paying taxes to at this point. Um, their total salaries come to $127 million and some change, and that would leave uh, the bucks at only, let me make sure my formula is correct, uh, just shy of uh, $5 million from the tax, which uh, we will certainly be, be paying the tax, and then um, $11 million and some change away from the apron. Now, I mentioned the apron, which the same as last year will remain at $138 million um, because once you use your biannual exception, your non-taxpayer mid-level exception, or acquire a player in a sign-and-trade deal like a Bogdan Bogdanovich, you cannot exceed the apron for any reason whatsoever, um, despite the soft cap in which the NBA uh, operates from. So, yeah, essentially, assuming that Bogdan Bogdanovich makes the highest salary that he can make, hopefully he will not, but the Bucks have uh, $11 million to uh, sign... At this point, um, six six players in addition to those two second round picks at at the very end of the draft this year, and um, based on experience, I already mentioned how the rookie minimum is just shy of a million dollars at eight hundred and ninety eight thousand, but then the ten year minimum, which a uh, Wesley Matthews and Kyle Korver were making last year. Um, is at two and a half million. Um, so um, we say we were to sign six players um, to those all the same minimums and all the same experience. We would not be able to sign uh, six 10 uh, year veteran minimums because that would bring us um, to about four million above the apron, which we cannot do. Um, but then, Six um, rookie minimums would be uh, just above $5 million. So we don't necessarily have to um, buy a ton of second-round draft picks like Bobby Marks alluded to us doing so. Since they can make that rookie minimum, uh, we won't be having to sign all second-round picks and uh, rookie million-dollar... Uh, uh, minimum contracts, but uh, probably some combination. Or, yeah. A uh, large variety of experience, I guess, is what we'll have to do. And we can't uh, sign six Wesley Matthews and Kyle Corvers. Essentially where I'm going to with that. Um, lastly, then I'll get away from the salary cap uh, talk before y'all fall asleep on me. Um, the let me see, I was just reading on sign-and-trade stipulations, and I know that you cannot acquire a player via sign-and-trade after you've already paid the taxpayer mid-level exception. I didn't see in writing whether or not the Bucks would be able to use their taxpayer mid-level um, after 
the sign and trade deal. So the inverse of what I had just mentioned, but um, I am inclined to believe that that is the case. So I'm not sure if we would be able to use that taxpayer mid-level exception or not. But for what it's worth, that's slotted in at $5,718,000 again this year. All right, everyone. Now, now moving away from uh, the salary cap detail that you know, although I have too much fun with compared to maybe some of my listeners. Um, I suppose I ought to run through a bit of the timeline that uh, your host here went through. Um, quite a roller coaster of emotions for myself yesterday as Chris Paul was traded to the Phoenix Suns just before uh, the Bucks acquired Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. As you could guess, happened right around lunch. Devin's on his lunch break, slamming a PB&J and, and a K-cup, and, and I am just heated. I, shout ex- I was telling my roommate, I shout expletives super loud. Someone probably thought I cut my finger chopping up vegetables or something. Nope, I was just reading Twitter and hearing the latest basketball news. And I had just had a conversation the day before with my brother, actually, about how PO'd we would be if if the Bucks were to stand pat and not do anything and just run, run it back again this year, considering how devastating this playoffs uh, was even in comparison to last year's um, and um, I was also drawing from um, the Athletic NBA show interview with uh, Alex Lazary son of the obviously Mark Lazary um, owner of the Milwaukee Bucks for uh, Alex is also Terribly sorry, I feel like I'm going to butcher his title, but I believe he's the senior vice president of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's also very involved uh, politically and played a role in bringing the Democratic National Convention to Milwaukee. Um, I say all that because what really stuck with me was uh, Alex's theme throughout that was uh, for the Bucks not to panic, but... Maybe you can tell from my tone from previous podcasts and and from my reaction from the Chris Paul trade that I was not exactly at the opposite uh, spectrum of in terms of being calm and being uh, panicked. I was definitely closer to the panic meter on that. So I listened to this podcast about from Bucks Executive about not panicking. Then I have this conversation venting about all of this to my brother and about why we should do a Chris Paul trade, even if it has a chance to 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 uh, bite us on the butt on the back end of it. No pun intended, um, but. Big move like Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich um, does, I believe, do send. I believe it sends the same message at the very least um, 
as um, as a Chris Paul trade trade would have. Um, Chris Paul was of course sent to the Suns for a Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lequeux, and a uh, 2022 first round pick that is protected, top 12 protected, and then descends by two picks uh, for the next couple of years thereafter. Um, and then another big trade that I thought had implications for the Bucks as well just before then was uh, Dennis Schroeder being traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for um, a Danny Green and uh, I believe this year's 28 pick that had belonged to the Los Angeles Lakers. I thought that would bode well for the Bucks' chances at acquiring Chris Paul because of course we'd have to send back George Hill and Eric Bledsoe for contracts and that's two point guards already, and although the uh, the um, Oklahoma City Thunder were privy to running out uh, three guard lineups, um, it would have been uh, just them losing losing uh, one more point guard would help uh, the case for getting George Hill and Bledsoe on the court for the Thunder and. Yeah, I thought it would maybe help uh, the chances of the Thunder wanting to bring in two more point guards if they had had just shipped one out and, of course, would be shipping one out to us. But um, anyways, basically, none of that has to matter at all because, of course, we did end up with our big trade trades, rather. <laughs> Need to remember that that's plural um, for Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um You know, at risk of going on too long about this topic, um, I think, I mean, despite just the message that it'll show to Giannis that we're willing to take some big swings to uh, help our chances moving forward in the playoffs, um, I was really excited about Drew Holiday, and I was especially excited that we didn't have to give up a Brooke Lopez uh, in this. Now, of course, we gave up a ton of draft capital, and maybe if we had included uh, him instead of one of Bledsoe or Hill, then we maybe could have kept, um, maybe could have kept one of those unprotected first round picks and or a pick swap or some combination. Um, but uh, Brooke Lopez is clearly very important to the Bucks, especially with um, his ability to both to both uh, protect the rim. And space the floor. It's it's about the most rare skill set out there in the NBA. And considering uh, Giannis's clear uh, uh, shooting inabilities, um, it's really important to have a floor floor spacer next to him. And it's and it's quite a luxury to also have that floor spacer not just be someone who stands in the corner, but also gets back on defense and protects the rim and allows Giannis to be that free safety. Um, and I thought that would be especially intriguing to the Pelicans and they would really push for that as well. Um, since they have uh, Zion Williamson, who is basically, if you just, if you just smush uh, Zion Will- Williamson, uh, or rather if you smush Giannis onto Kumpo down a few inches and hamburger style 
add, add, add a little girth to him, but bring him down in height, then you pretty much get a Zion Williams, Williamson, and they have uh, quite similar skill sets. Um, two of the most amazing athletes in NBA history already, but they both have uh, their troubles with spacing as well. Uh, maybe that that played a role in the trade negotiations. Yeah, in the end, I am I am extremely excited about a lineup of Drew Holiday, Bogdan, Chris Middleton, Giannis Santacumpo, Brooke Lopez, and whoever the heck else we'll have coming off the bench. And uh, people are also laughing about that now, about how we had amazing depth, and that's completely gone now. But also um, laughing at us, but also with us, because, uh, of course, uh, Bud had a propensity of going way too deep into the bench uh, in the playoffs. And now he, you have to think that sim- uh, now he's simply going to be a lot more hard-pressed to do so um, if his options include Thanasis, Justin James, some late second-round picks, and... Uh, in an uh, even older version of some of the veterans that we had this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I won't, I won't be completely done talking about this topic beyond this podcast. I hope I've done it justice for uh, how enormous this is for the Milwaukee Bucks, as I do truly think that it will play an enormous role in keeping Giannis and. That is 100% what this trade is about. So hopefully that helps you out when you are uh, discussing the outcome with other NBA fans. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out our other team-focused NBA pods. Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, blazing the path, and hashtag Lakers. If you're looking for more basketball coaching, playing, and parenting talk, subscribe to these basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Some other news I wanted to get into, however, um, I alluded to a Wesley Matthews and a Robin Lopez declined their player options. Wesley Matthews, it was no surprise as he was, uh, his player option was the uh, second year of a two-year minimum, and he was a starter on a 60-win pace team and was our best defender against Jimmy Butler. So he will he will be getting some sort of a raise. Hopefully not too significant because that hurts his chances of coming back to the Milwaukee Bucks. And he has also been rumored uh, to be going to the Los Angeles Lakers, which would be particularly heartbreaking considering we want to have the chance to um, face them or someone of their ilk in the finals next year. And... I believe having a large role like he did on the Bucks and the Pacers before us will play a huge role. And now that the Lakers don't have Danny Green from that Dennis Schroeder trade, there's uh, definitely going to be more opportunity for him there. 
but hopefully we do bring Wes back. Um, I know, and I just also want to emphasize the fact that um, Wes taking, um, Wes definitely had some other options. When he was bought out from, I believe he was traded. Wow, how did he end up on the Pacers? I I believe it may have been a part of the Chris Depps Porzingis trade, actually from the Mavericks, in which he was eventually bought out uh, from the Knicks after being traded there. And then he had plenty of opportunities to go anywhere, anywhere else. He was one of the hottest commodities on the buyout market that year and then ended up going to the Indiana, even though they weren't the most successful team that year. But they did... Uh, they gave him the biggest role, and um, Bucks were obviously able to give him a big role here. It helped that we were we were the most more successful team, and he has roots in Wisconsin, particularly in Madison and Milwaukee, being a Marquette alumni. Um, but but who knows? Maybe that that role will play a bigger play a bigger influence in whether or not he stays. Or leaves Milwaukee, but I hope it doesn't. Now getting to Brooke Lopez, he declined his five million dollar player option, which was was definitely a surprise to pretty much everybody at first, considering uh, backup center with little opportunity, aging, uh, not as much of the hot commodity. But um, Eric Name again uh, put it uh, quite well that Robin Lopez wanted the opportunity to make sure he could choose his destination rather than uh, like an Ursan Ilyasova being uh, moved out to uh, Sacramento. Uh, No disrespect to Sacramento, but um, this is just Robin prioritizing um, having control over his own destiny rather than uh, scoring uh, two to three extra million dollars. I mean, he has already made... Not an incredible amount of money con- compared to uh, other NBA players, but he has he did sign at least one contract before with a uh, with a, a annual salary greater than ten million dollars. Um, but hopefully, now that we definitely need bodies, um, I I would be excited to bring him back if he were willing to sign. Um, Somewhere around a, a million dollar deal, as I believe we sh- we should still have uh, some kind of rights on him. Wonder if I can pull it up here. Uh, we do have non bird rights on Robin Lopez, and I don't necessarily have um, all the implications of what that means for the Milwaukee Bucks, how much he can or can't make. So. I will leave that to you guys or myself on another episode, perhaps. Uh, Chugging along here, I'm going to cover some more key dates. I know everyone's exciting for me to be covering this for the third podcast in a row, but hey, the NBA season is going to be starting up in a little over a month. So uh, yeah, just get ready for a lot more, maybe not a ton more, but definitely more logistical updates uh, to come about. more key dates. Um, these just came out uh, today. Um, on November 30th, teams will uh, be due to return to their home markets and uh, will be tested for COVID-19 until they receive three negative tests 
hopefully between the window of December 1st and December 5th. Between December 4th and December 6th, teams will be beginning to uh, embark on group practices again for the first time, and that's all dependent on uh, how quickly uh, players test negative. December 9th is the uh, stretch provision deadline. I don't have any particular... Um, I don't... Yeah, Buck, Bucks have more of an issue uh, field, fielding roster at this point, so we won't be utilizing that. But um, a big one, actually, and this is something I was uncertain of for a while. I couldn't find uh, reliable documentation on this. And uh, honestly, I was a little uh, insecure about not knowing this before, but the last day for a player... To sign uh, the Supermax extension. Um, so um, this could be a very merry day for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, basically anytime now and before then um, if Giannis were to sign the Supermax. But this also applies to rookie extensions. And then just some projected dates as far as once the season actually starts. The All-Star break, which of course there'll be no All-Star game, but there are um, there is talk about this being sort of a makeup period for games that have been postponed due to COVID-19. We've seen this a lot in the NFL and of course um, the NBA plays a lot more games than the NFL too. So there's definitely a reason for pause there. Um, May 16th is the projected end to the regular season with the play-in tournament being from May 17th through the 21st between these 7 to 10 seeds I've talked about before. And then the rounds will begin um, based off this date breakdown. First round beginning uh, May 22nd, conference semifinals on June 7th. The uh, conference finals, uh, not the conference semifinals, um, the conference finals on June 22nd. And the NBA Finals will be July 8th through the 22nd. So we see the NBA um, getting uh, back as close as they could to their usual schedule. So they must be pretty excited about that. Um, and then another topic I wanted to cover, and that was actually uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh whom I cite a lot on this podcast for uh, understandable reasons. He released um, a three-part podcast series, The Giannis Draft. So clearly I had to tune into this. I'm sure a lot of you did too. And I suppose I should give a spoiler alert at this point. Um, now... Maybe I should have thrown this at the end, but I already uh, have begun. So if anyone needs to log off now to avoid the uh, spoilers, if they'd rather listen to it for themselves from Adrian Wojnarowski, they can leave now and you'll only be missing uh, some uh, some uh, added draft analysis that is, of course, uh, exceedingly less pertinent now to the Milwaukee Bucks, but I I'm still going to gonna uh, do my best to make it a little fun so 
Um, if anyone needs to turn this off to not spoil Woj's Giannis Draft Pod, you're welcome to check out now. And uh, just make sure to tune back in for future episodes. But without further ado, I'll get into the Giannis Draft Podcast reactions. Um, one, uh, to start it off, actually, was uh, someone whom I had just heard about, and I'm going to butcher his name, but... His nickname is Baby Shaq. He is played for the Greek national team and is is or was 6'9 and 345 pounds. I'm going to try to say his name. It's Sophocles Shortsinitis. Oh, that's very wrong. But Baby Shaq, for all intents and purposes... And I just saw a video about him on Instagram, but Giannis actually brought him up as uh, seeing him or hearing about him uh, playing when he was young and actually defeating Team USA. Uh, I believe this was, um, when would this have been? Um, I, I, I am inclined to think that this was after the devastating defeat in which Team USA won a bronze medal. This may have been in the qualifiers or the group stage um, afterwards, because I know this included uh, a young LeBron. Um, nevertheless, um, Baby Shaq led the Greek national team to actually uh, defeat Team USA in the contest, and that was when Giannis first uh, was able to see someone like him, who was uh, a Greek uh, immigrant from Africa, uh, succeed on the biggest stage. And that's when he said he really knew he believed. Um, some other big takeaways, and a lot of this won't be too surprising, but um, when Giannis was a draft prospect, they talked about, of course, uh, adding some size and strength to his frame and um, getting him to eat a lot more. And uh, in secret, he was really thinking, well, of course, when I eat, my family eats. And we all know that Giannis and his family come from humble beginnings. And um, I I forget any specifics to this, but I know Giannis did have some experience selling uh, stuff on the sidewalks in order to make some money for his family. Um, however, Giannis also cited that, um, it wasn't uncommon for him to not eat his first meal until 11 PM after he had, uh, he had had basketball practice just due to the availability of food within his household. And obviously between, uh, everyone in his large family. And, and because of this, when he was getting evaluated by doctors, they had, they had suspected that he had a drinking problem. And of course he said he had never uh, drank before, but um, I think some of his unhealthy eating habits maybe played into some of this. I believe that's what they were getting at in the podcast, but I'm no biologist, so I don't know if uh, that has any merit. Um, I guess some other notes based on what doctors had said was when he was evaluated by Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawk doctors, 
which is kind of disappointing to me, honestly, that the Atlanta Hawks were were kind of the biggest uh, team featured in this, despite obviously being selected by the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, because um, the Hawks had made a promise to Giannis that they would draft him with their number 17 pick, and uh, Giannis and his agent agreed to not participate in any workouts with other teams or meet with doctors, and that... Uh, that lends even more credit to John Hammond and the Milwaukee Bucks for still selecting Giannis Antetokounmpo. But um, nevertheless, the doctors thought he was actually younger than 18 due to uh, the growth potential in his in his knees. Maybe, um, I don't know, when I was typing out these notes a, a day later, I was thinking, is it growth plates? Is that a thing? Again, I'm not quite a biologist, but um, just cool because normally you hear about... Uh, foreign athletes being rumored to be older, but in the case for Giannis, it was the opposite. And Bucks fans are aware of this. Of course, many of you probably had the Greek and growing poster on your wall, just like uh, my brother and I did, um, showing Giannis next to uh, a ruler on the wall and measuring him at uh, 6'9 when he entered and then uh, growing uh, an inch and a half or two inches uh, after a season with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um now, some more on Giannis's intangibles. Um, there were talks about how um, Giannis was bawling, crying his eyes out when uh, he found out that he may have to leave his family to come to America and that he couldn't quite bring all of his family. And... Um, no surprise to any of us, of course, if, if we know anything about Giannis's character and how family-oriented he is. And, um, of course, we all know that he seems to spend uh, most, of, most of, if not all, of his time in his free time with his family. So um, that's uh, touching to hear from the Greek freak. And uh, a quote from Wes Wilcox, who was uh, then general manager of the Atlanta Hawks, but now is in a front office role with the Sacramento Kings. Shout out to him uh, for that, uh, particularly as he um, he played a large role in our sports business classroom virtual conference this summer. So happy that um, that the league was able to help him out there and get him get him a job again because. He's, he's earned one of those rare positions. Um, but nevertheless, Wes uh, had a quote saying that um, Giannis was really just all about wanting to make it to the NBA so that he could provide it for his family and then being the best that he can be when he gets there. And he said that it was uh, exceptionally rare of a young player um, to... I mean, of course, say all the things that you want him to say, but um, perhaps maybe it was more so the sincerity and the way that Giannis was saying it. Um, and of course, knowing where he comes from, being able to believe um, in his toughness and that he would be able to fulfill um, whatever his potential may be. And uh, of course, a lot of Bucks fans... Uh, like my still my, like myself uh, believe that he still has uh, some potential uh, to reach. 
of the last takeaways was actually uh, the former Milwaukee Bucks coach Don Nelson being particularly enamored with Giannis. He compared him to uh, Julius Irving, actually, and it's something that uh, someone who had worked with Don Nelson said that it was really rare of him to have such high, high praise for for someone with such raw talent, but he had that for Giannis and was huge believer believer in him at the time. Ironically, he uh, he didn't have the chance to draft him because he was actually uh, more interested in trading down or moving his first round pick so that uh, he would have the chance to uh, save money and acquire a big free agent in the offseason, considering they were just a couple years removed from their uh, championship against uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and the Miami Heat. Um, and, yeah, so not honestly not a ton of... I was shocked and disappointed with the uh, lack of uh, Bucks discussion and all of this, but really it was more so a story about... Giannis leading up to the draft and of course he was he was mostly linked with the Atlanta Hawks but um, the Milwaukee Bucks um, were given credit for doing their best and keeping quiet about their interest in Giannis Antetokounmpo because of course had that been leaked then the Hawks probably would have been more aggressive and maybe other teams would have been more aggressive about uh, jumping the Milwaukee Bucks in the draft order and selecting him I think a uh Someone in the Orlando Magic organization where uh, former Bucks GM John Hammond, who selected Giannis, actually is right now, said that he wanted to take Giannis uh, with the number two overall pick, but uh, he didn't have the cojones to do so. <laughs> um, but um, they also gave uh, they gave John Hammond some credit for having having guts and taking such an unproven talent like Giannis Antetokounmpo, even in uh, a rough draft like like the one that we're going to have uh, this year that's actually, uh, as I record, Tuesday, November 17th. Uh, the draft is tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to uh, watching that tomorrow, and I'll be, uh, I'll be covering that on next week's episode with a very special guest. Of course, there'll be less bucks and buck Bucks implications, but uh, one of my favorite days of the year, so I'm really looking forward to covering it nonetheless. Um, and in that, I'll get to the draft analysis that hopefully not many of you are losing out on um, if you were trying to avoid the uh, the Wojpod spoilers there, because I know this isn't the typical uh, podcast, so maybe you'd be more interested in hearing it for the first time yourself. But... Um, So clearly with these huge trades last night, these this uh, weekly draft analysis was supposed to be, <laughs> pardon me, it was supposed to be, um, what's the word, a lot more climactic in finally getting to um, the number one prospect among um, the ranks and who could be selected by the Bucks in that number um, 25 slot. Gosh, why I always get the two confused 25 or 24 i'm like 95 percent sure it's the it was the 25 spot less important now um but 
I did also cover this on the 305 Culture uh, Hoopheads uh, podcast with JJ Rivera. If you want to go check out that as well, you'll hear some of my thoughts, kind of interesting, all-encompassing thoughts on who I've covered so far that uh, I thought would have been interesting for all of you to hear, but definitely less so now. Um, Also cover some of the top prospects, but uh, you're encouraged to check that out there at the 305 Culture podcast. And... Um, so I was going to go through two, uh, two prospects today, but I'm only really going to go through one. Um, and that's actually not someone who was in our selection or who I was particularly interested, uh, if I were the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm going to go more in depth on Alexei Pok. Pokushevsky, um, the seven foot, the seven footer with a seven three wingspan, weighing only in at two hundred and five pounds. But um, he, when he when you watch him, he looks a lot more like a small forward than he does a center. Similar to that of uh, a top American prospect a, a couple drafts from now, a Chet Holmgren. I would uh, definitely put a lot more stock in Chet Holmgren, but uh, similar prototype, I suppose. But of course, uh, there is the uh, the bias against the uh, the unknown talent in Europe. Um, so I'll go through uh, Alexei Pokushevsky now. He has a tremendous ball handling, vision, and agility, and potential as a playmaker, especially for his size. That will be, now, the caveat isn't meant to be uh, so strong because he does, just for any player in general from the film that I've seen, he he moves tremendously well. And in fact, in the videos I'm watching, I'm even questioning if he's truly seven feet tall with the way he moves um, and the camera angle. But then again, this is kind of similar to the the Giannis videos that we were uh, all enthralled with back in 2013 where where they're definitely just filming from... uh, High, high school gym like bleachers so i'll believe he's seven feet tall i haven't heard any skepticism with that um but yeah he has <coughs> oh excuse me his potential to be uh be a solid playmaker and he can uh pass out of a variety of situations uh including as a pick and roll ball handler and um as well at uh Walt is also uh, performs well throwing uh, skip passes and cross-court passes. Uh, as an athlete running the floor, he's extremely smooth and fluid. He's not uh, the fastest, but uh, he can get up and down the floor uh, very well. He shot only 32.1% from three last year, but he has pretty solid footwork uh, and form on the shot and shot 78.3% from the three free throw line, which um, some draft, draft experts say is even more indicative to um, three-point shooting success in the NBA considering the different uh, the different lengths and uh, three-point lines from college, uh, the NBA, and wherever it's at for Alexei uh, in his case. He has... Um, he has amazing potential as a shooter, both off the dribble and as as a uh, movement shooter off screens. 
He has a great timing on on blocks as well. And um, but yeah, he's been described as the most boomer bust prospect in this very boomer bust draft. And uh, before I get into the cons about Alexei, I would just more than any prospect that I've covered so far, well, especially because they're less important to the Bucks at this point. I would I would suggest everybody just Google uh, Alexei Pokushevsky and uh, see it for yourself because I doubt I could really do justice to it at this point. Um, but some of the negatives for Alexei include uh, his trouble getting around defenders and finishing in the lane. Due to his size and strength, he needs to add a serious amount of LBs in order to uh, hold up at the professional, rather the NBA level, and um, also has a lot of room for improvement in his decision making. As a passer, he throws a lot of risky, risky passes, and although in his highlights you'll see the flashy passes being su- successful, they're also uh, they, they can also be unsuccessful, unsuc- su- uh, excuse me. So you could rein it in a bit there, show a little bit more discipline. I think he would uh, he would uh, have do a lot better uh, in an NBA setting. He also gambles too much uh, on uh, particular on blocks and steals and his uh, defensive footwork and uh, his close- closeouts could also be better. He's not the quickest either laterally on defense. Some of his comps are uh, are uh, Kubruks, who is I believe is just traded to the Pistons actually um, for um, uh, Bruce Brown in in other trade news, but bigger ones that I haven't mentioned yet. And then also uh, Shades of Bull Bull with his rare. Um, his rare fluidity, shooting, ball handling, and with his seven foot frame. And then, um, was dancing around the uh, second prospect that I wanted to cover, and uh, that was actually Josh Green. I don't want to get into a full analysis of it. I kind of went through it on on JJ's Three or Five Culture podcast. So I would urge all of you to go there if you're particularly interested on Josh Green or hit the interwebs for that. Uh, but I think he's going to have a really long career. He's a prototypical 3 and D talent. Um, he is one of the most exceptional ball, um, on-ball defenders that I've seen in the limited tape that, that I have and has... Uh, impressive form as well on his three-point jumper but doesn't really have much playmaking ability or um or creation for himself off the dribble either compared to other prospects so considering he is the last prospect that i got to and i uh i was working down through the weeks and uh players who would be drafted uh from lowest to highest within the bucks ranged uh i was uh Less impressed with him, but yeah, if you want to hear more about it, check out 305 Culture Podcast. And um, yeah, so hopefully you all have enjoyed what I've what I've provided for you, uh, especially on Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, 
I'm sure I could have gotten into it a lot more, but I can I can guarantee you haven't heard the last um, on those two for me. As you as you can maybe uh, guess, concerning how much I agonize uh, or have agonized over Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Paul, but now I have less reason to. So stay tuned for more Nuck if you buck. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nuck if you buck. Use just the letter U. Uh, that's Nuck if you buck. Letter U followed by NBA. That's uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can also email me at Nuck if you buck the pod. Spelled just as it sounds. U is Y O U at gmail.com with any questions or concerns. And uh, lastly, after that shameless plug, I just wanted to give. Uh, a shout out again to Rocky Rococos who provided me with uh, two uh, large whole pie gift certificates for my promotion. So um, quite poetically, in honor of the Milwaukee Bucks' official first trade uh, of the offseason, I can now confirm for all of you and for other enormous uh, Rocky Rococo Bucks fans out there like Frank Madden of the Locked on Bucks podcast that um that trade is successful and not only do we have drew holiday and bogdan but also uh those two gift certificates in the bag so stay tuned and uh follow me on instagram to see what i do with those gift certificates because um You'd be surprised. I could definitely take down one whole pie by myself, but I have two gift certificates, so it may be going to a lucky fan on there who is willing to engage with me. And with that, thanks to all of you for joining me on Nuck If You Buck, and I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.